Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received. You're listening to the Christian Paranormal Podcast. Welcome back to Christian Paranormal. So this is going to be a interesting one. I'm repurposing some content that I previously had made well over a year ago on another podcast that was called Skinwalker Radio. On that podcast, I interviewed a man named Chris Bartell. Chris is a local veteran, and that's how I know him. I was introduced to him by a friend, and we spent an hour or so talking to Chris about some of his weird experiences at Skinwalker Ranch. So if you're not familiar with Skinwalker Ranch, pause this right now and go look it up on the internet. There's a History Channel show about it. There's documentaries, there's books, there's uh, endless amounts of podcasts and blogs. And this is what got me started into the Christian Paranormal podcast was this conversation and this conversation leading me into creating Skinwalker Radio podcast, uh, which I have since stopped because I felt the need to have a different approach to these types of conversations. These conversations were had from a purely um, secular approach, but I feel that there's a lot missed by doing that. I held back a lot of my personal opinions and my personal analysis of these situations for fear of alienating my audience, um, which was largely kind of your atheist UFO crowd. So Christian Paranormal is going to do the opposite. I'm going to give a no-holds-barred approach to these kind of conversations. So if you're a Christian, if you're interested in paranormal, then I'm going to bring you some wild conversations. But then I'm going to have a thorough debrief after. Um, Maybe just myself, maybe some friends, maybe some special guests. Because I think there's a lot going on here. And I think that at the end of the day, it's really just a lot of manipulation and deception. So... I want to bring you this conversation now as kind of the the introduction to the series that we will be doing. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome back to Skinwalker Radio. Today is the eyewitness interview that we have been talking about for quite a while now. I'm here with my friend Chris, who was at Skinwalker Ranch between the years 2010 and 2016. He's witnessed a lot of interesting things at the ranch and has a lot of history to tell us about Uh, what was going on at the ranch beforehand, what he saw during his time, and what he thinks it all means. So I'd like to introduce my friend Chris. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. Thanks for uh, reaching out to me. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you for coming. So we just got a bunch of questions we want to kind of ask. But before we do that, just give us uh, like a quick summary, kind of uh, the day you stepped foot on the ranch, and then, you know, the day you left, you know, gotcha. just kind of a, a linear expression of your, your of your time and your, I guess, your, why you were at the ranch, gotcha. you know, and how that came to be. Yeah, well, I, I got to the ranch in uh, actually October of 2010 was my first tour up there. And um, I got there because I spent several years in the Air Force 
at Nellis Air Force Base, and then that transitioned to working at the Nevada test site for several years where I obtained a few clearance. And once you obtain a few clearance, you know, you kind of open up a lot of doors to different different jobs or whatever like that. Most people go to the Pentagon or somewhere else, but uh, my wife was in the Air Force at that time. She got orders to uh, Maelstrom Air Force Base. We moved out there. Um, didn't really work out very well for us out there, so we came back to Vegas, and I got a job at, at Bigelow for, as Bass by another officer who actually reached out to me and asked if I still had a clearance and stuff, and and at the time, I was trying to go back to the test site, uh, but there was there was a, there was a hiring freeze there, and and uh, so I went took the job at, at Bigelow. You know, yeah. It was good. So when you step foot on Bigelow for the first time, were you familiar with anything paranormal, and did they really you know ask you any questions during your onboarding process about that kind of stuff? Yeah, I had previous experiences before coming to the to the to the ranch like paranormal experiences here here locally in kansas but also throughout my time in the military and other places i went to i actually went to the goldfield hotel in nevada and got to do a uh, like a uh, got the tour inside the facility with virginia ridgeway who was a caretaker there that was a whole pretty interesting experience itself um and so i actually went on the team with a little bit of knowledge of the paranormal in my background and some of the questions that were asked in the interview they, were, they said if i was open to that i was like yeah, of course you know I'm not afraid of it. I'm definitely welcome in. I'm, I'm curious about it, like everybody else was, and um, so I figured, you know, I was kind of following. I was kind of following the rabbit tunnel. How far can I go? And I figured this is probably the end of it, you know, for me. Did the? Uh, do you think that that helped you get the job? And do you think that that might have even been a requirement? I think it definitely helped the job, and also helped that I had a clearance still, you know. Um, not that it was really relevant because we weren't dealing with like sensitive stuff, you know. I mean, what I appear now wasn't sensitive. It was normal. My used, what I'm used to, you know, operations versus what I was supposed to at the ranch, entirely different. I was assuming that like, there'd be like a whole bunch of like, you know, more secure, encrypted stuff going on. It seemed very amateur, actually. I mean, yeah, sure. When I got up there, you know, and I, I think it was at the time I kind of thought, well, maybe it was because uh, the funding had drawn out and. You know, it was more of a, we're more of a role of like kind of a caretaker ourselves, but protector of the property. But also, if we encounter anything unusual, to document it. You know, but I had a lot of questions back then. But you know, we just kind of continued on with the mission, which was to be out there. You know. So, how long between when you got to the ranch and started working out there mm-hmm. before you saw the first weird thing? Yeah, I think. During my time there, he's experienced a lot of kind of small weird things, but significant things. It was probably my second week up there at the at the property. You know, the first week I was up there, I was kind of feeling the place out, and I was kind of like, this is just another ranch, you know, because I'm from Kansas, so I'm used to a country. I grew up on a country environment, so I figured these guys are just a bunch of city boys that are <laughs> terrified of being up here. That's why I, I really thought, you know. And um, it wasn't until the second week where I was like, some weird things started happening. You know, I had a wolf incident with me and another partner, which was a very significant experience, and that was an eye opener, and that made me realize like what's really going on here, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so after that kind of happened, it was like years before something really like that happened again. So, okay. so when you're there for a couple of weeks, and then you have the big incident with the wolf, mm-hmm. what are you supposed to do after that? Well, we like, were supposed to try to collect evidence okay. of, of, this, of, the, of the event as best we could, you know. And we took pictures of the tracks and um, documented everything we could as, as much as possible. 
and um, it was it was pretty wild. You know, it was it was an interesting experience. And so you just write up like a police report. And yeah, you report, and you know, you do you do a channel up to your to the command, like you know, our higher ups and stuff like that. Call them, and Mr. Beaver will get a copy. And then was there ever like a, a follow up with any of that stuff, or do you guys just kind of fill out papers? And then there was that was kind of a weird thing. Actually, you know, we we used to go up there to the ranch, and then we'd come back to Vegas for like a debrief. And I wish, knowing what I know now, I wish back then there was more communication back then. There was not very much communication back then, which I always thought was bizarre. I mean, I'm very open about everything. You know, I came up with right. the, When I went to the ranch, I had this montage that, I, that my mom taught me, which is show up, pay attention, tell the truth, and accept the outcome. I truly believe in that. And so that was my mindset going up there. So I would come back, and there, I can tell they weren't giving out information. I'm like, what? Why, why were they being so secretive about stuff? You need to tell us if something's going on. We're a team here. It didn't feel like the real team that I was used to previously, you know. Yeah. So it would happen like that, but, you know, backwards. But there was a lot of stuff that we would, we, would, we would collect data on and not hear anything about it. I'm like, well, okay, so which direction do you want us to go? Do you want us to keep going down this paranormal direction and document this stuff and it put ourselves out there to, to be exposed to it? Or do you just want us to hit the, stay at the East Gate and, and, and scare trespassers off? Man, it, when it was two people, it was we could do that. You know, one person could be at the gate, the other person was doing something else. But when it came down to one person, it was a whole different ball game. That was a whole different. And so that's yeah. a, I guess, another point you mentioned down to one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of the last man standing at the ranch, right? Yeah. By yeah. 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I can say that the first year I was there, it was kind of like. It was difficult, stressful. You know, obviously getting used to everything and being in that environment after that wolf incident. Um, but I always showed their property respect and I understood kind of what was, why well, I figured what was going on, you know, the Native American side, which I always believe is the truth there. And, um, but there was times out there by myself where I'd be walking around at night, like three o'clock in the morning, like, what am I doing? This, I'm going to get hurt out of here. You know, I have no backup, no cell phone. There's nobody that's going to help me right. out here. And, um, but I was so, I think me and my partner and some other of us out there were so passionate about really trying to find that smoking gun or really trying to get that, that like solid evidence of like, wow, we found something really that we can explain. And um, it was taxing because you're up there for two weeks by yourself trying to safeguard the property, which at the time was almost a thousand acres of property, a little over almost 800 acres. I think about 800 acres. And, you're working nonstop hours at night, and then you're 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 getting up in the daytime, do your morning reports, and then you start. I, my day would seriously start from probably about ten o'clock in the morning, and then I would get done about four a.m. That was my average day every day up there. No days off because I was so paranoid. I was afraid I was gonna get you right. know shot, stabbed, or or if someone get on the property and hurt the caretakers or myself or vandalized, you know. And it was crazy, but after I think my year six. I felt like more in tune with the environment. Like that. I felt like my frequency kind of blended in with the place, and I kind of felt more at ease. You got it home, yeah. And I got to know some of the tribal uh, local BIA officers there that were that would come back me up, which is about 10, 15 minutes down the road. Uh, the problem was still no cell service out there; it was very limited. And so I kind of felt like my last couple of years there, I felt like a second home to me. It really did, and uh, I really enjoyed my time up there during that time. You know, I was able to. And I think I said this before that. Um, when I was up there, I, I noticed that my vision, my artistic creative side expanded. And maybe it was just being out there by myself, you know. But also maybe I was tapping into something else out there. I don't know. But it was, it was 
there was I took the bad stuff with the good stuff, and and the bad stuff I did encounter, I try to push that into a good positive spin. You know. So. Yeah. So, what kind of equipment specifically did they give you when to do these paranormal investigations? Well, that things? that was a weird thing. There was like when I first got there, there was talk about on the team about orbs. You know, I'm like, okay, cool, but they were giving us like these little one-shot Kodak cameras with a huge flash. So every time you take a picture anywhere on the property, dust particles... Seems counterproductive. It, and I'm like, what is that? This seems so amateur because I, I'm, a, I'm a part-time uh, professional photographer on the side, so I brought up my own camera, which is very expensive. It's got a dust filter on it. And when I would take pictures in the same picture, it wouldn't show orbs, you know? And so we were like, we were debunking some stuff like that that had been previously was like people were rolling with it like this is huge you know and i'm like well if there's this i always just say if there's with this kodak camera if we're taking pictures and there's thousands of orbs there would be something else to counteract that like uh, like your feeling of an emotional drain or you would see a shadow person or there would be some type of correlation with this huge manifestation i said so we're seeing dust particles here this isn't yeah. this isn't real and then we have like some other gear like mvgs and a thermal imager that was kind of janky and uh, a tape recorder for EVP sessions, uh, uh, one EMF detector that didn't work. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. And a flashlight. So when you, when you talk about having equipment and, like, you know, everybody debunking stuff, yeah. are you meaning just, like, amongst the other uh, guards or, or cops that are out there? Or any, was there much interaction with, like, the, the science side at all, like the people you'd handle the reports? I, like, I didn't. You know, when I was up there, my, my stuff with the science thing was – I came on the team very at the very end of it all in 2010 when it was like kind of dying out. No, not dying out, but there was a different shift in 2010. It seemed like it was more focused on security on the property and safeguarding. And if you happen to encounter something, document it, document, document. But as far as experiments, I was never really involved in any type of like significant experiences. Um, well, I know we did like a Ouija board session thing once, once or twice. That was that was a scientist made. Um, it yeah, wasn't your typical Ouija can board. You just, was, can you just describe yeah. that like in detail? I think that would be really interesting. The to board, hear. yeah, specifically like like it's some. It's not. This isn't like your yeah. Wally World yeah, yeah, Ouija yeah. board from. Yeah, it know. was like a list of uh, questions and and you know looking back at it now, it was just a big piece of plastic glass with just letters and. and didn't really make much sense to me. You know? So it wasn't necessarily like the high-tech Ouija. It was like no, it some was, crap somebody threw together, yeah, but it had it was, a purpose. It had a purpose. Right. You know, I was like, what? what Anything this? interesting happened with that? When I did it? Yeah. No, no. I, but there was one time when I I was asking questions, or people were, you were, I was answering questions, and I didn't think nothing of it. And then two weeks later, I went back to Vegas and did our debrief. And one of the senior officer guys, he pulled me aside. He's like, hey, Chris. Why did you answer this on this question? It was like, I think the, the answer was evergreen trees or something. And I said, well, that's why I, I pictured it in my mind. That's why I saw in my mind. So I said it. I go, why? He just goes, huh. And that was it. And I'm like, what? you're not going to tell me anything? Like, So who would ask hell? you the questions? Um, well, it would be like when you came up there to shift change. Mm -hmm. It'd be um, one of the senior officers. Like, uh, I'm not sure if I can say their name or not, but the senior bass guys would be up there. And it'd be your off-going relief. A caretaker and then myself or whoever and you do like a 45 minute session i think it was all recorded too i believe it was and um for me though that nothing really crazy happened you know so they would ask you questions face to face mm -hmm. and then you would just give answers whatever they correct whatever what, came to my mind basically. what were some examples of the questions do you remember 
I was trying to figure and out honestly, like how the how the board fits in with yeah, with the questions. Honestly, I can't remember. I, don't, okay. I honestly I don't That's remember because cool. I was only I only did experiment like maybe maybe three times, maybe. I don't. I can't remember. It was such a weird thing. Did any, any of the other guys have any weird experiences with with the board? Yeah, I think the other Chris he had he had some weird experiences too. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as anybody else, I'm not sure. Well, he'd he'd mentioned too, and then you told us before all this that. Uh, you guys were more like out and about on the ranch. Oh, we were. I mean, you guys, out. you guys weren't sitting by the gate, no, sitting no, no. in the truck. You were no. out, like looking for okay, this spot's crazy and this spot's weird. Yeah, we look at this stuff. And after after our first year there, we we did the whole gig of like going to the gate and stuff. And we we found out it was kind of productive because people would come to the gate for that reaction. So it was like ridiculous. So I would just park the truck out there as a perception of there's an officer there, and I'd be on a foot out in the out by the Eastern Valley hanging out there all night long. You know, sometimes I would sleep out there. There was a place specifically towards the end I would go to at least once once a tour I would go out there and nap or sleep at night under the stars on this rock. It's 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 just north of Homestead One. I used to call it Meditation Rock. And I would go up there and try to meditate and like astral project, you know, or whatever into because there were some nights that the stars were so clear, it was beautiful. And I would just love being out there in that environment. And that was another thing that we used to do when it came to one man, or I used to do, when we didn't go to the gate. Because there were some times where there was like, on the weekends, to be busy with people. And, you know, you don't want people to get on the property because it's a liability issue and stuff like that. So I would, I would park the vehicle on the, on the road so that people can see it and they pull up. But I would come from the side and flank them. And I'd hit the flickers on the lights to make it look like there was two of us. But there was never two. It was just me or one officer. But I would use that illusion of... To help, because we're like trying to figure out like how can we, because it's only be a matter of time before people are like you know what, screw it, we're, we're all going to just jump the fence. And, sure, sure, the Area Fifty One yeah. raid thing. Yeah, let's all go raid Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, Didn't hear yep. from me though. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> on that note though, it that's one thing that kind of in the background of all this kind of baffles me because so Area Fifty One, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's fenced off. It's out in the middle of the desert. Uh, you know, officially nothing goes on out there that we know of, but right. everybody pretty much knows there's stuff going on out there. But I get why that's all secret, right? Yeah. There's like legitimate installations out there right. and there's there's people doing actual work. Yeah. This place is just like kind of a not so hot cattle pasture in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. with a few rundown houses on it. So, yeah. I mean, I know that, that whatever it is that they were doing is, is like secret, but it never really sounds like there's a thing at the ranch, right? Yeah. So... Why is this ranch protected by guys that have as much experience and credentials as you right. to keep people off of it? If it's just when some they land? they could hire a literal Walmart greeter, yeah. Why exactly. why isn't the little Securitas truck driving around? Exactly. You know what I mean? So exactly, and they that, probably that, paid you guys a pretty <clears throat> decent salary. You know, yeah. It was well, we didn't have salaries by the hour. Okay, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was okay money. I, I didn't complain ever about the well. One time I complained about the pay because it was like we got a bonus check. Uh, we do two weeks. You got a bonus check in, in your tour. It wasn't that much, but I actually told Mr. Bigelow to his face. I said, as I was quitting the, the job, I said the reason why I'm leaving is because I can't justify to my wife being gone every month for two weeks for the amount of pay I'm making. Because I was, I came from the test site where I was making really good money, you know, and my mindset was kind of go back to that route. And he was like, what? And then overnight it changed. He bumped the pay up, so it was good. It helped all the officers out there. But there was also a time when. We were told you can only work forty hours a week, right? Mm. And take week and take that days off. But I'm like, that's literally impossible to work forty hours a week right, when I'm living there, <laughs> yeah. working twenty four seven. 
you know, I'm on call basically. So I can't just, we always kind of laugh, like that's not going to happen. We're just going to keep doing our thing and then whatever, you know. And uh, that, that happened to all the guards. We're all like, we're all like, what? They can't tell us this. So you so me and tell me you're going to say, no, you got to work 40 hours. So if I see a trespasser at six o'clock and I'm off duty, go have fun. Yeah. What? I mean, come on. It's like, you got to be joking me, you know. But we all kind of laughed at it, like, come on. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So speaking of like being off at six o'clock and chilling out in the trailer you yeah. guys have, you mentioned when I talked to you before that there had been some weird stuff going on inside the trailer. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so where... what are some ex- those experiences? Yeah, that was, uh, I think that that's the weird place. It's like you get to your trailer, you feel like you're at home, you're safe. And that's where like a lot of weird stuff would happen because I think you let your guard down. You're not expecting anything to happen. And that's when things would happen. Um, specifically on a couple occasions with two different officers, we had uh, it sounded like somebody walking through the trailer. You know, the trailer is an old rinkety trailer, you know. So you just move a little bit and you can hear a creak. And we heard like actual footsteps like boom, 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 boom. And we'd be like, what? And it happened like so random. There's no way to really document it. Right. I know one night it happened and myself and another partner. Because one night it was I was checking my emails at the couch and my other partner was making soup or something in the kitchen. And I, I heard something walk through the trailer and I was so kind of in, involved in my email. I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And then I saw my partner go into my back room and go, Chris, Chris. And I go, I'm up here, clown. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm right here. And he goes, dude, I just saw somebody walk behind me and go into your room. And I'm like, what? So we're like, guns out, <laughs> clearing the house. out. we're like, we thought somebody got into the house trailer. But it was just something so weird that we, you know, nothing. So what we did was we took some some uh, um, cookie sheets and put baby powder on them <laughs> or baking powder and then put them out on the floor at night to see if there was like some type of residual tracks, if it came back again or something. But we woke up and there was nothing. But that happened like twice, maybe three times. The, the, the. And then there'd be times I'd be Skyping with my wife, and, um, and I would see something in the corner of my eye. You know, I always felt like I was being watched at the ranch all the time. I mean, that was really weird. Everywhere you go, you felt like you are being watched. And it was definitely uneasy, but after a while, you get kind of just immune to it. You're like, okay, whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It, sound, it sounds like almost arrogant to say it, but... Um, you get you're involved in that environment so much where you become immune to everything. You just become like, ah, whatever. Oh, it's a skinwalker, or it's it's a wolf, or whatever. You're just like, whatever. Do what can you do? <laughs> you know. Yeah. You're there. You're stuck for two weeks. You yeah. got to figure stuff out pretty quick on a fly. You have to be tactically mindset about everything. You've got to be a steward of the ranch. You got to show the ranch respect. You got to be. I mean, there's a, so many things on your that's going through your mind every single day at that property, and you're like. What I remember is there's nuts. So with the uh, with the footstep thing, did anyone else have any luck trying to find any kind of evidence? You know, you you put some uh, stuff down. Did anybody else do anything similar? I'm not sure. I think um, I think Chris might have tried to set up a video camera and or capture it one night. I don't think he was successful. I don't remember him. Yeah, you know, we worked a lot together, and that was kind of cool back in the days when we had two people. You know, he, we were like a yin and yang combination. And so he would debunk some things and I would debunk some things because in the end, we wanted to have, we wanted to produce solid evidence because let's face it, you're in a, in a property where you can write whatever you want and people can believe it. And I think that might've happened in, in the past. I'm not making accusations or whatever, but I'm assuming, you know, the NIDS teams, you know, they're there for five years and they didn't really get concrete evidence, you know, 
and um, that's no knock on them. It's it's impossible really to get concrete evidence out there because it's such a random event all the time. Um, but for me, I kind of treated the place like a crime scene, you know, I, and that was my mindset. So, and that's why I found, I started finding those Native American artifacts. And that was solid evidence that you could hold in your hand and be like, okay, now we have something that is proven that this is the history of the property. This needs to be documented. And then when I started documenting it with like GPS locations and photographic evidence, and I was trying to match up the paranormal activity to the abundance of artifacts, I thought maybe there'd be a correlation there, you know. But what I found was when I upchanneled that information up, it got shut down like it wasn't important. Yeah. And I thought that was insane. I thought that was insane because I'm like, this is very important, and it's being overlooked since day one. And I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm just some country boy from, from Kansas, but I have a pretty significant background in, in military and working in those operations. And I, I found hard evidence, and there's other teams before me because I taught the old ranch manager who was there since 1990, since the start, Jean. And me and her have a great relationship. I treated her like she was my grandmother up there, and I still do to this day. You know, I care about her a lot, and Richard too, uh, the deets. But she said she's like I was I was the first one to find an actual artifact out there. Like actual, I'm like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. You have people up here that have never looked for this stuff. This is this is evidence. What did you, you know? do with those? Did you put them back? Most yeah, most of them I put them back. There was a time where I um I I put some in a trailer and used them as like a reference to take a photograph and stuff like that. So yeah, I put them back. And then I GPS the locations yeah. when I found them. Did you find those artifacts before or after the weird footsteps in the shadow man inside the trailer? I think I found those after, actually. Interesting. Because Yeah, it was after because um, it wasn't until I was alone out there where I found artifacts. And it happened in the Eastern Valley, which is by Eastgate. I went out there with the dogs on my daily patrol and we were having lunch out there. I was eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> and I just put my bag down, uh, that my patrol bag that had all my gear in it, like the water and MBGs and all that stuff. Because what I would do is I would hike all day long. I mean, I'd be out hiking all day, just constantly going around the property, you know, as best I could. Looking for anything, I'm normal. And when I went to pick up my bag, right next to it was a perfect arrowhead. And I'm like, what? And I was like, whoa, this is a game changer. This is... This is solid evidence. This is something that we can hold on to. And I did a grid search from that area, and I'd find more and more. And I'm like, holy cow, this is this is incredible. I was so excited to like share this with other people. But like, this is what you got to look out for, you know. And I still believe the Native, the Native American side is the truth of that property, or mostly yeah. a, a part of the puzzle, you know. Were most of the artifacts centered in that one in that one area? Mm-hmm. There was they... there was a high concentration in the Eastern Valley. Um, there was some in the western, but there was some above Dog Run too. It was scattered through the whole property, the whole property, and you can go out there today and find it, you know. But I get why, you know, they, they probably put the brakes on it because, you know, at that point it might become an archaeological site at the time, you know. Sure. They, you know, so but. Were there ever any times where the dogs were freaking out about stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, before you guys Mm -hmm. even knew anything was going wrong? There was, the the dogs were a good biosensor to everything. They they always alerted almost all the time, almost all the time. There was a couple of times where totally oblivious to stuff and we would see something. But there was a time like that wolf incident where the dogs were remained super close to us. They knew something wasn't right and they were staying real close. I thought that was weird because normally... They're out looking for, you know, animals and being dogs. 
But this particular night, these stayed pretty close to us. Yeah, so the dogs were very, very keen helping us. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So you mentioned that there was a time where you thought something at the ranch followed you home. Yes, there was a time that happened. I actually documented that. Very significant incident that affected myself and my wife. And um, I've only talked about it a couple of times. I did a report on it. I documented it with, with Bass. And it was uh, incident. I'll tell you about it. It was, it was, it was crazy. So my, I came home from, and this is my, I, was, my, I had just had a brand new baby, my, my oldest son now. And um, we were living in this really small apartment across from the hospital in Las Vegas. And I came home one day from the, from the ranch. And my wife was, I can tell she was upset about something. And um, this is when I was going like back-to-back deployments up there. I was gone all the time. <clears throat> and anyways, um, I'm like, what's going on? She's like, she flat out just asked me. She's like, do you think things follow you back from the ranch? And my wife is not really, she's a, she's a combat veteran also. And she's not, she also used to be a cop. So she's not like, she doesn't get rattled very easy at all. She's a very strong woman. And I can tell she was very upset. And I'm just trying to use logic at this point. I'm thinking maybe it's postpartum depression or something, why she's this upset. But I can tell this is something different. I'm like, why, what, you, what happened? And she starts telling about how she saw this shadow figure in the hallway. I'm like, what? So I'm like, okay, this is this is not good. So I'm like, hey, um, you know, how about you go have a, a day away from the house and I'll hang out with the baby. And so she leaves and probably about an hour, maybe two hours, she's gone. And my son's sitting in front of me in the bassinet. And I'm on the couch. And I'm looking at the TV and all the lights are kind of off. It's like dim. And I can see in the out of my right on my left eye right eye i see in the dining room this billowing ball of smoke about the size of a large grapefruit or a baseball it's huge it's it's black and it's cloudy and it's like misty and it's moving and it's right above the the table and in my mind it's not making any sense i remember back then thinking to myself that's not real that's not real what is that and as soon as i made eye contact with it like looked at it it moved it shot across the kitchen and then in the hallway i remember the shadow figure standing there and I got up and I said you know at the time I was like I'm not I'm not a religious person but I know what to do I was like you know in the name of God in the name of Jesus Christ I just command you to leave you don't have no power here you know that's yeah. why that's what I reverted to I'm from yep. Kansas you know it's a Christian community yeah. and it worked it worked it went away and then I had luckily I had some sage that I kept with me and my mom like I said my mom uh, I talked to you before she grew up on Indian reservation so she was very key about some of the protocol about working on, on an Indian reservation especially with this type of um, clout, well, I guess, and she, so I had some sage, and I smudged the house as best I could. And after that day, nothing else ever happened like that. Yeah. Um, but there is—I was just up there recently, like a couple months ago, and I met the new team, which is great. But when I came back home, my wife said, "I think you brought something back." And I'm like, "Nah." Yeah. Because I, if I'm a firm believer, if you like the negative stuff, if you if you put your energy into it, it becomes more real. You're giving it strength. Yeah. So I don't. Like with all the negativity and everything, that I always try to focus on the positive. For sure. And, and it, whatever it was, it went away. Yeah. So we have a bunch of kind of follow up questions to some of your experiences, but I want to just kind of um, lighten, light, lightning round through a couple of things. So sure. we touched on the wolf, and then you saw a wolf. Yeah. You saw a shadow man. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen orbs yourself? I've seen, I've seen orbs uh, two separate occasions, significant orbs that were not your normal uh, ghost or dust particles. I'm talking about on the east side and the west side, a blue orb that actually moved against the wind 
and it only lasted for about five to six seconds, enough for me to get my attention and then disappear. Mm -hmm. And I remember the, the first time it happened, I was at the East Gate. I'm pretty sure I documented this. I'm not sure if I did or not. A lot of stuff at the ranch I didn't, I didn't document because I didn't want to be labeled as a crazy person. Right. You know, I have a clearance. I'm thinking longevity. Where do I go after this job? You know, and the only reason why I'm even coming out now is because the story needs to be told in 2010, 2016. It's a very significant part of the history of the property that needs to be explained. And I want answers too from, from recent things I've, came, I've heard about, which I don't know. But anyways, the orb, I, so I went to it. I went to the area where it was at, where I saw it at, which was in the Eastern Valley. And I, I, I didn't see nothing. I couldn't find any evidence of footprints or anything like that. But And then on the west side, I saw another orb, a blue orb. But it was kind of closer to... Um, it's like a burial site over there. It's like a weird Indian burial site. Or not Indian burial site. It's like a weird... Um, where they put like dead animals and stuff at. It's hmm. strange. Bad energy over there. I always felt like a lot of bad energy on the west side. All the Who time. puts the animals there? I think the local um, tribal. The local tribes. <laughs> it's a, a couple... Um, poles with animal skins on it yeah i've, I've seen okay. pictures of those. okay so the, i was i asked my when i first got there i'm like that is not good what is that and my answer was oh those are to keep bees away i'm like what that's not that's not keeping bees away he was from right. the guy that gave me that answer was from born and raised in la yeah, he didn't know he didn't know so i asked a local tribal guy years down the road like i think two years later i ran to some guy that I was talking to at the gas station and after a while people know who you work you know i kind of stick out uh, at an Indian reservation and some guy approached me and asked me hey did you work at the and we started talking and I asked him about that that area and he said that it's the Utes that put those skins on there to keep on the keep the bad energy onto the ranch yeah that's what I'd heard is that's like a mm -hmm. it's, it's like a giant version of like what we might see the dream catchers at the gas station yeah that's it's what like it was a, yeah. to keep the stuff over there very very yeah. bizarre and I always felt extremely uneasy on the west side and at night, sometimes when, I, when I'd walk at night, I would get to Homestead 2, and I'd be like, oh, i got to keep pushing forward. There's only, you know, Homestead 3 is like, you know, not even a quarter mile away. I, I got And I would be like, nope, I'm not going down there. It's just something that said, don't. I'll listen to my gut. I said, I'm not going down there. Yeah. And sometimes I would go down there, and some nights I wouldn't. I'm like, I'm not feeling it tonight. And, uh, but walking out there at night is a whole different perspective. And so aside from even just uh, things you saw, is there Things that you would hear, things that you would smell, other kinds of experiences. Um, yeah, we had a sensation of the smell of a perfume once at the at the homestead one at the trailer. Interesting. That was weird. I don't. Yeah, it happened twice. Perfume smell. Hmm. And it wasn't Jean, the the man, the ranch manager. She was in her house. This was like in the in the trailer. And then the sounds. I never personally heard any sounds. I can't remember, like somebody talking or anything. Mm -hmm. like that. I know previous officers have reported that, you know. Um, I did hear one time on the west side with my partner, Chris, uh, it was like uh, drums, like a powwow, like boom, 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 on the west side, and it lasted once again for like eight seconds. Just enough for me to pull out my tape recorder and get nothing. Right. You know, that's what's weird about that place. And we, we looked at each other like, what was that? And I remember the dogs looking at us like, what was that? And I'm like, I don't know, but something was happening. I remember because we were just, it was, we had two officers up there. You felt more comfortable going down to the west side and kind of hanging out. And um, we, me and him were just hanging out in the trees down there in the, by the house. And we heard that. And we're like, what? And there was no, like, local powwow things going on. This is like, I want to say this is in October, late October or something. It was cold out, I remember. Hmm. But, yeah, something like that I remember hearing about sounds.
Did you ever have any kind of equipment to measure radiation or anything like that? No. Okay. No, that was never really agenda. That was never... Um, we had that... Um, I think we had a Geiger counter. No, we didn't have a Geiger counter. We had a... The, um, EMF. EMF detector. We didn't yeah. have a Geiger counter. We had an EMF detector. And you said that was kind of janky anyway. But... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was broken. <laughs> yeah, we nice. had, after a while, we started buying our own personal equipment. Because we would put in like requests for like a spirit box and new new technology that was coming out during that thing. Because you know back in 2010, nobody even really talked about the ranch. It's not like what it is now. So it was a very 2010 to 16 was a very very unique time for that property. You had guys who were living out there by themselves and pushing themselves out there in the environment, trying to collect data as best they could with very limited resources. And so we would ask for certain things and that would get denied or they'd be like, nah. That just that baffles me because, yeah. you know, Bigelow is a very wealthy man right. with interest in this subject. And then there's also the, you know, 2010, that's only two years after this whole, you know, ATIP OSAP yeah. well, project I, budget. In sp they start spending money, well, right? I, Millions of dollars. Now, I, it's not necessarily they spent it all at once, but it's... I think I figured out why. Um, because when we would up channel this stuff up to our higher ups, it would never get to Mr. Bigelow. Because everybody was so afraid to talk to about money to him for some reason, they'd be like worried about that he would get upset about this cost too much or whatever. I, that's what I get. Sure. From my from my here now is that he was not aware of a lot of stuff that we were trying to like. Hey, we need help with this, and, and he didn't know about it. It wasn't until after I would like I would I would I would break the channels and go talk to him directly, you know, a couple times, and he would he would make changes. But whenever time we asked for stuff like through our chain of command, it would never kind of reach him. I don't think. I don't think so. Who do you think was the gatekeeper? I think probably Colm was. Colm. Yeah. So that just, I, had, that, I had a good relationship with Colm too. So I, I don't want to. This is a whole other path yeah. that I, we can go down some other time. But there's so many of these names that are like you know in between. So Bigelow's obviously the big guy who runs right, back. Right. You know, it's not a secret. But right. the guys that are in between there, some of those names mm -hmm. like you know Eric Davis, Colm Keller. Hal put off is one that comes up all the time. Yeah. These guys have fingers and threads kind of all over the place. Yeah, so I, everybody I, wants to look at Bigelow or Bigelow Aerospace, but it's these are the guys getting the paychecks, right? Yeah. These are the PhD physicist yeah. guys. It so almost seems what are they as doing? if Bigelow is not even a player almost in his, like he's in his own thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, like he's yeah. just the name to throw it under. After, and then after a while and kind of stepping back on the ranch, I, I would kind of think, you know, this is just my opinion here. I, I think maybe he was getting hustled you know, sure. for a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think maybe the NIDS days, you know, you got to you got to understand back then, you're a scientist, you just land a dream job, and your job is to you know work on this ranch, first time ever in history to to study this type of paranormal that I know of. About month two, you realize, hey, we need to find something here if we want longevity of this company. And I think that continued on with NIDS and Bass and probably continues to this day and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock it because they did a lot of cool stuff and they got a lot of good research in and everybody had experiences out there I'm not knocking anybody but I think there was and I and I know on Bass Days some of the old guys that got fired were trying to fleece Mr. Bigelow for right. stuff so for me it was never it's never about money it's never been about money I don't care anything about money I'm not looking for a lawsuit or a big payout or all this garbage I keep reading about I don't care about that I simply want the truth and I want my story to be told so that might help put more pieces of the puzzle yeah, together yeah absolutely so, so that's, overall, here's a here's a fun fact I I was in the military I was in the Air Force too right. you know I was in military intelligence 
Um, that's kind of where I kind of come from with my experience and why I'm interested in this because right. there's so much of that world in this. But when I was uh, in the civilian world after getting out, I worked in a uh, government contracting for a while. And with government contracting, there are so many, you know, T's to cross and I's to dot mm-hmm. and uh, red tape galore, right? Oh, yeah. So government contracts, they have to go through so much scrutiny mm-hmm. in order to award a contract. Mm-hmm. And they look at all kinds of information. And some of the information they look at is like, who's bidding, right? Okay, this guy, you know, and we were going to compare him against uh, number two guy. Well, number one guy we've already given him 15 contracts, right? Right. So let's try this other guy out this time. Well, I know for a fact that both of those parties are talking to each other. Oh yeah. For sure. Often. So I think best case scenario that I can figure out here, that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. because your normal guy who is how put off, right? He may or may not have actually competed for this contract and lost it. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean that he really lost it. Correct. It just means that it's not going to his company. Correct. And I say that because when Bigelow got the contract, who did he hire to come out? Mm-hmm. Right. With right. NIDs. Yep. Yeah. So even though it's not how put off proper, how put off is there yeah. right. doing the work. It's it, you just can't cover that. And, kind and of so stuff. on that note, that's another one I want to bring up is because. So a lot of the ATIP stuff or OSAP is still classified. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that got declassified, and you can find it on that uh, Federation of American Scientists website. And it's just a big list of a bunch of different programs that were ran under that ATIP program. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that list, a lot of it sounds really crazy. There's like, you know, superconductors and gravity research, you know, invisibility cloaks. Uh, but there's only like a couple in here that kind of make me wonder about some of the ranch stuff. Like there's one on here called field effects on biological tissues yeah. and then biosensors and biomems, you know, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But, and then there's the rest of it's, you know, a bunch of space stuff and microwave stuff and, yeah. and fusion drives, you know, things that are really futuristic. So like nothing on here specifically says bass, right? Yeah. Like it's just a bunch of physicists and then their general background. How put off is on here several times and Eric Davis is on there several times and so they're doing all this crazy research. So if the bass contract was under that ATIP umbrella, mm-hmm. right, and Skinwalker Ranch is one of the places this is going on, mm-hmm. okay, well, which one of these things is what was going on at the ranch? And so if I'm looking at, like, biosensors and biomems and field effects on biological tissues and mm-hmm. things like that, and then knowing that you guys got, you know, tested, in mm-hmm. your case, you know, the MRI. Yeah. What is it? Because as much as it is, you know, the lore that surrounds this place in even Area 51 is, you know, UFOs and aliens and paranormal and stuff like right. that, uh, they never really even just come right out and say that anywhere that I can see. Mm-hmm. They, they never just say, hey, we don't know what's going on. Skinwalker Ranch is a weird place. There's something funky going on with They don't even talk about it at all. You guys go in there and we're going to take some tests and see what happens. Go get them, soldier. Right. That never happens. Right. It's just like they, they put you guys out there with crap stuff. Yeah. And... Crap stuff, mind you, just within a couple years of this contract being awarded in the first place. Right. So what's actually going on? Yeah, here? it was kind of clear at one point. We used to joke on the team like, wow, we're probably just all lab rats out here. Sure, right. And you don't want to believe that narrative because, you know, looking back now, I don't want to really believe that narrative because I want my experiences to be genuine. Now, if there's, an, if there's a possibility now that those experiences may have been influenced by outside resources that I didn't know about, I would like to know about that. And if I was exposed to anything that was harmful, I would like to know about that, obviously. Sure. You know, I have an MRI gun in Reno, and, um, 
you never got any results back about what, what you know, I was told the reason why we're getting MRI done is because maybe there was something in our brains that allowed us to see or have experiences on the property. Sure. Cool. But debrief me after you get this intel and find out what's going on. If, it, if yes, cool. If no, cool. But nothing. So I, I reached out to the Reno Diagnostic Center and just last week and they're mailing me my MRI uh, readouts, yeah, which is awesome. great. Because I, I want them, and I'll take them to get looked at and make sure there's nothing is damaged or, or something right. like that. I'm just curious. Um, I think anybody would be curious. So what, what did you guys think when you signed those release forms for that? Like, at what point was that? And then at what point during your time at Skinwalker Ranch was, like, the MRI? Is it, like, right as soon as you're out the door, oh, you're quitting, see you, no, 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 MRI? No, no. It, was, it was, like, uh, I think in July we signed that stuff, 2011. So pretty early on. Early on. Like, October was our big incident with the wolf thing. Right. And then after that, there was maybe a couple small things that were just like, eh. You know, it gets to a point where, like, do I report that? Is that sure. credible evidence? You know, and then it was like out of nowhere, like, hey, you guys are going to MRI to get an MRI scan. We're like, what? We got to fight a Reno for it? And I'm like, okay. So, so fairly shortly after your yeah. the big event with the wolf. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I'm like, cool, whatever. You know, it's just, I mean, look back in, at now, I, I mean, it's, I read the consent form. I signed it. I'm like, well, I, I was I fully believed in the, the mission that we we're doing, which is to collect the paranormal research, to find the smoking gun. Is this all connected together? Mm-hmm. You know, what what does all this mean? I wanted to see where right. this end up. So I'm, I'm going down. I'm going to continue this journey and see where it ends up. And then, like I said, my biggest regret is there, there was a lack of communication back then that should have been more um, soundful. And now, now I... You know, it's too late to go back to time. Right. So now I just want closure. I just want to move on. I got, you know, all this stuff recently has, I'm just tired. I'm just, I got things in my life that I need to focus on my work and my life. I, the ranch stuff to me is, I, I left the ranch in 2016 or I left Bigelow in 2018. I left the ranch in 2016. I was like the second to last person on the property when he sold it. And I left with a good, under, what I felt was a good understanding of the property a good understanding of the property of how everything worked out there. And it wasn't until recently, a couple months ago, where I heard about this all-set program. And I'm like, what is all this? And did this affect the ranch? Did this right. affect me? And if so, someone's going to answer for that. And I'm just looking for an answer, yes or no. I'm not looking for some uh, huge payout or some crap. I don't care about that stuff. I really, truly don't. I want to know my longevity. Was it affected? Right. Well, that's I it. think so. That's the big one, I think, to clarify is yeah. that you know, weapon or not a weapon, it's, you guys were clearly being tested for a reason, right? Right, And you were never really given a specific reason, and then you were never really given what the results of the testing meant, right? Right. So the question is, is whatever I encountered something that has an ill effect on me moving forward, mm-hmm. you know? And right. so to me, I would immediately jump to like, your experiences post-ranch, yeah. right? Which if you uh, listen to Colm Kelleher, right, that's even the people that were there before, the Shermans, mm-hmm. they've had similar experiences. Right. Where they're not on the ranch anymore, right. but stuff still happens. So is right. there a lingering thing that changed, you know, that allows you to experience this stuff if it's uh, paranormal? Yeah. Or is it some kind of a weird weapon thing that has kind of tweaked something a little bit where right. you can... It's, yeah, it sounds like a start to a movie. I mean, like I sure. said before, let's tell these guys that they're all combat veterans, that this is your job on the property. Um, this is your job to collect evidence. 
And then on top of that, we're going to test something out there on them. Or not, I'm not accusing them of that. That sounds like a, a scenario that could happen. It's a right. possibility. You know, I work for the government for my whole life. Well, it reminds me of an old <laughs> Twilight Zone that's uh, not necessarily similar to the Skinwalker story, but just broadly speaking, I can't remember the name of the episode, but people listening could probably figure it out. There's a guy who's like the last man on Earth. And so it's cool for a little while, then he starts to get really tired of it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, then at the end of the episode, it turns out he's laying on a hospital bed in a military hospital somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's an experiment to see about yeah. human consciousness and what they could take for like a yeah. long-term space voyage. And when I, when I see the, when I hear the acronym ALSAP, and I, I see the, the W stands for yep. weapons, yep. my mind automatically reverts back to my time at the Nevada test site right. where, and in the history of how we openly tested nuclear weapons on our soldiers. Okay, and then MK Ultra. You didn't know about that until years later. Right, that was a real thing that happened. Now, so what? I'm going to be 80 years old, and it's going to come out on some TV show, Operation Skinwalker Ranch, or something. I'm like, oh, I knew back then. Exactly. They all call me crazy. You You know, I'm not. It's just, it's just silly to me that we live in a society now where you you release this stuff about ATIP, you release this stuff about OSAP. You have people making documentaries left and right. You have movies coming out, TV shows, books. But, but there is this 2010 to 2016 gap that nobody's talking about because right. there's maybe there was something going on there. And, and that's the other one I think that's interesting too is that when it comes to like the TV shows and the documentaries and stuff like that, the people that they get the information from are the people that are doing the narrative building if the narrative building is what's actually going on. Correct. So the yeah. people they keep going to for information – are the people that might also be the ones building up the myth yeah. to, to possibly conceal something if there's something being yeah. concealed. So I it's mean, like, where's the regular Joe? And then and then even I would I would even go so far as to say, where's the Shermans? Yeah. Right? I, I get privacy and I right. get all that stuff. But it's like if this is a real serious deal, then yeah. where's the people that actually experienced right. it? Yeah, right? Other than right. Cole. Right. And that's another thing that's weird is that the six years I was there you know, I think Mr. Bigelow came to the property once for just like a day. Um, there wasn't a lot of high brass that would go out there. Why is that? Sure. <laughs> There's something. That, that, that it's like something. they're trying to avoid the place. They were, they were blatantly trying to avoid the place, what I felt like. Because even when we had the wolf incident, I thought maybe we get some people to come up to help us out with the process that the crime scene, or what I consider the crime scene. No. It was just like, hey, be careful out there, boys. I just saw this wolf thing that was the size of a donkey jump out of a ditch and then disappear in front of me. This, like, psychologically, I'm thinking to myself, what in the hell have I got myself into? And before this, I never read the book, Skin Hump the Skinwalker, or uh, the Skinwalker Ranch book. I never read it until, like, months later because I didn't want to have any pre-notion about stuff. And I remember my dad, who was, who was alive at the time, I sent him a copy of it. Because my dad, you know, my family's from Kansas, and they saw my career in the Air Force and the test side, and and then now here, and they were very curious about, you know, they're proud, whatever. Sure. And I remember my, my dad, he read the book, and he called me, and he goes, what the hell did you get yourself into? <laughs> I said, I don't know, Dad. I said, I'm just, I'm just here for the journey, man. But I said, I do enjoy my time out here. I love it. I feel like I'm kind of back in a ranch environment. He's like, well, just be careful, you know. And yeah. we laughed about it. But, you know, there's, there's, I have a lot of more questions now. And, and, I, right. and I left there probably thinking that I can answer all the questions. Well, it's funny what you was say that because even, even my wife just here that I'm, you know, I, yeah, Seth and I, we were talking about this and kind of got moved into it. And it was like, a, she was like, what? Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, my wife looks at me cross-eyed when I talk about this. She's like, I don't know about all it, this. And that's the thing about my wife. She was, she was there with me in the Air Force, the test site, and here. And she knows my background and my paranormal background before the, all this stuff. And 
That's kind of how we met. Where she had a question about ghosts in the Air Force. Yeah. And I answered some questions for her. But for her, this timeline, 2010 to 16, she hated it. It was a very dark time for her. Being alone with a brand new baby, mm-hmm. and, you know, going to school, very stressful for her. So when I bring it up, she's like, I don't even care. She's like, at that time for me, it was very dark. And I, didn't, I did not enjoy that. I didn't like that you were up there by yourself. Yeah. I mean, she had strong concerns and the legit concerns. She's like, I did not like that you were up there by yourself. Um, that was ridiculous. And there was a time that she almost went down to the big little plant and wanted to talk to somebody like, this is bullshit. Why is my husband out here by himself? This is, un- on a tactical standpoint, it's ridiculous. Right, right. And, and but, you know, we took it as a challenge, whatever. But it, looking back now, we were lucky none of us got killed out there. Because there was a time there where we had an actual bounty on our heads by locals that people believed that we were some type of hybrid, you know. Mm. And they wanted, we had intel that the people wanted to come out and kill one of us. To prove that we were immortal or some crap like that. So we're out there like, are you kidding me? And we're telling our guys, and once again, this is where I think Bigelow didn't know about. Um, in fact, there was an incident for sure I know he didn't know about. That wasn't until weeks later he found out about and he was pissed. I was at the East Gate one night. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, we're on an inner reservation. And so I can see things coming like a mile away. And I see the police cars coming. And they're chasing somebody. They're chasing a car. And we just put up these uh, barriers at the gate. And I'm like, oh, my. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, they're going to they're hit the barriers. So I put my flashlight on. I flashed the flashlight down the road. And the car uh, pulled off into, I think it was like the neighboring Garcia's property. And was spinning out. And the cops came out. They had a shootout right there. Not even, I mean, really close to where I was at. And I'm on the phone with the BIA police trying to get a hold of the dispatch. And saying, you have an officer down out here. And I'm thinking, okay, these guys are coming my way next. What am I going to do? I got the dogs here. You know, I have my MVGs I'm looking. And thankfully, the BIA police showed up on scene and took care of the situation. But I reported that up. I'm like, this happened at the gate, blah, blah, No, no I would think that would help, like, hey, we need another guy out there. Because Chris was out there by himself, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until weeks later Mr. Bigelow found out about it. He was very upset. So I think he had a very genuine concern for it. And I know he treated us, I, I personally, I think he treated us very well, considering. I think it was, there was some cloudy judgments with people not giving him all the stuff. People are so afraid to talk to him. I don't understand that. I had no problem talking to him. In fact, I wanted to talk to him before I left because I had, I had a journal that I kept in early 2011 that I was writing down all kinds of just things that came to my mind. And I thought it was important information that I wanted to give to him. Or to call him, whoever, because I thought it was maybe uh, would maybe turn a line on a switch or something like that. Maybe it might it might be a big piece of the puzzle, you know. That's why I wish there was better communication back then. But now I have it all, and I'm going to probably just hold on to it and give it to somebody else. Or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So have you had any um, like comprehensive medical tests done since you've left there? Uh, not some, not nothing official. I mean, your typical physicals from my current job, like that. Yeah. Um, Nothing with like MRI scan like that. No, yeah. I was just curious if you had, and you know. Yeah, I have drawn. I have blood drawn every year. I go get my physical, and nothing abnormal that I can say is abnormal. Yeah, I'm curious about the MRI scan, and I hopefully it comes yeah. back negative with nothing as normal. And hopefully, this whole thing, this whole OSAT program, was just uh, had nothing to do with the ranch. And then at my time at the at the property, were genuine experiences with genuine phenomena up there. That's why that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that it doesn't get clouded by some type of black right. project. You've mentioned it several times now is yeah. that you're 
So would I be correct in saying that your takeaway from the, the weird stuff is that the ranch yeah. is that it has more to do with the Native American Absolutely. lore side uh, of things? 100%. I believe that is the key to that property. And I think it's so overlooked and it's so obvious. And why it's ignored, I don't I, I know why it's ignored. Because personally, that land should be left alone and respected. And people should be meddling with things that we don't... Why do we have to control everything? Right. This is... The Native Americans have been on this been in that area for generations for for deck for forever who and they they had more of a connection to everything than i think we do today you know like i said and i think we talked about this before indians uh, were grounded to the earth and to the universe and to nature all a big circle connection and uh, that's the key out there is is you know thinking that way and treating the property with respect that which i always did and um, i think that the property should be left alone because regardless it's going to do whatever it's going to do whoever's out there I mean, do you, I mean, you put yourself in a situation where you think it's 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 a negative entity. So why even put yourself into that situation? You know, if you looking back, I didn't have a choice. It was my job back then. But if you're volunteering to go out there, you know, tread lightly. I would say go there with an open mind, but go out there with pure intentions. That's that's my overall thing: is go out there with pure intentions with, with stuff. You know, so 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 then, what would you think of the idea? Like if like. To someone who would say that, well, this is something that the, the military is doing. There's there's something out there under the ground that messes with your mind while you walk around. Yeah, if that if that's the case, if that's the truth of the property, which reading all this awesome stuff, it makes me just shake my head. Like, are you kidding me? Um, if that's the case, you're going to do a weapons testing on on people or whatever the testing on people, but also on a, on what I believe is hollow ground. You know, it's double double bad you do. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a whole other angle yeah. of the thing. Yeah. So there's you know it's is it all paranormal? Is the paranormal stuff all bullcrap and it's right. all government testing, or is Where it we, that there's something weird going on at it, Skinwalker yeah. and Where the government's we, interested in whatever that effect is, and so they're trying to, right. to mess with it? Where do we draw the line now? It's like my experiences are my experiences, just like the Nids' experiences are Nids' experiences, and just like the people out there now, their experiences are their experiences, and anybody else who goes on that property, their experiences are their own. So is it? I mean, there are experiences that I experienced before. You know, the Shermans, you know, the same similar thing. So I'm leaning more to, like I said, the Native American side of everything, that there's a connection there. But I have questions like why we were out there by ourselves, right. why we didn't have equipment, why lots of whys. <laughs> and now it kind of makes sense. You know, it kind of does. Very it, poorly organized, it sounds like, it no matter, seemed, no matter it what seemed, it was. It's, it seemed it was, like amateur hour to me right. compared to what I'm used to. I'm used to the military. I'm used to DOE working for the Nevada test site. I'm, I'm used to very structured, militant, operations right. with a key mission, key goal, key objective, and a key outcome. And it sounds like, a, like what a lot of you guys did is even if you you know, did have something significant enough to report, the yeah. report just most of the time just died somewhere just died, in middle yeah. management. And after a while, I was like, do I even report this? Why waste my energy? Why, Were there why? ever any government officials that you know of that came out to the ranch? That I know of? That yeah. I personally saw? Well, or heard of? The, I, I, I heard of that there was some government um, um Entity or people that came up there prior before I got up there. Gotcha. That that had experiences or they wanted to explore the ranch, whatever. I never personally saw that. I never saw anybody like that. Like I said, I've read, the only people I saw up there was the ranch managers and my fellow officers and uh, trespassers. Yeah. And then the, uh, no, I was just curious because you know I'm uh, I'm wondering if there was any kind of government accountability at all. I don't know if there was. Okay. It, and like I said at the time. The, we didn't know anything about OSAP or $22 million or ATIP. We didn't know nothing about that stuff. Yeah. And um, 
if yeah the, it seemed like everything was just shot from the hip pretty much yeah just you know just adapt to the situation and so you know another question then to throw in would be was the ranch anything at all or is the ranch just the big grand diversion to get the public to there look could, at this fist over here yeah. shake and look at the spooky ranch you know there, while it, there's actually it, it could be you know, that's the point, big fork in the road for me is that any any i'm sure anybody who's stumbling on this is already kind of in the weeds a little bit but some of these names that are involved in so to me one of the big ones is that how put off and the reason is because he's been around this stuff for a long time yeah. right since the 60s and then he's also part of that you know tom DeLong's to the stars thing mm-hmm. but you can read a lot of what he's written over the years, uh, including the declassified CIA stuff, you know, Stargate and the remote viewing and all that stuff. Oh, right, right. But some of the other physics things, right, if they're genuine, uh, is really like bleeding edge, futuristic type stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it, it I, I don't know what to make of that. It's either, sure, there, there's paranormal stuff going on, and these are the same people that you would want to look at that because they're on the cutting edge of stuff. Yeah. But these are also the same guys that would be behind some kind of really cutting edge weapon kind of thing. Absolutely. You know? I think it's both. I really do. Yeah. But I can't tell the difference. It's hard. Yep. That's just it right there. Key. You have an environment where the ranch, there's no paranormal activity. So anything reported there can be directed as that's paranormal. Mm-hmm. Well, you can also put another layer on top of that and be like, now we can maybe judge or test something out there that's we may think is paranormal, but really it's something else. I mean, it sounds crazy to say that. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when I worked out there, I would talk to some of the local people, you know. That was part of our job to gather intel as much as we could and make friends because we were kind of outgunned on the property, you know. So we didn't want to be jerks out there. We wanted to mingle well with the community and be respectful. And some of the people out there would say that they see military, they've seen military people out there. And I'm like, where? There's no base around here. And I figured they might, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe they're just uh, misinformed or they don't know what they're looking at, you know, because I, I, I would, I would think that if there was some type of military operation going around, they would let us know, you know, but then again, maybe not, you know, that's where I'm stem. This is where I'm now trying to like, my whole perspective has flipped. Well, and so to me, it begs the whole, it's the secrecy question. Yeah. So the. Steve Aftergood, the guy at that Federation of American Scientists that got that A-tip list, mm-hmm. you know, at least that, uh, his take on it, I think, was something to the effect of, you know, this stuff is either so wildly beneficial to people that it's a shame that it's secret, or right. it's so wildly disingenuous that this is a pure waste of tax dollars. Right. And so, back to your guys' point, it would be, since a lot of this A-tip stuff is still secret, it's, so if the government knows there's some weird thing going on out there that's not the government that they can't control, why can't they just say that? But not say it through proxy like guys like Eric Davis on Facebook, who yeah. he might be telling his truth, you know, right. that this is there's something weird out there and we should look at it. Yeah. Fine. But why can't the government just say, declassify that part of ATIP and say, yeah, there's weird stuff going out there. We were really interested in this warp drive program was because of some strange effect. You know, just right. something like that. Be open about it. In my opinion, Ownership. they can't and they don't. Because there's something there, right? Because if they spent that money and nothing came of it, well, that happens all the time. Oh, and sure. There's nothing to classify yeah. now that the work is done and sure. no findings. Okay, we release that. So to me, that says that they at least found something interesting mm-hmm. out there. And whatever that is, we don't know. Yeah, found we something may, or have something. We yeah. may never know yeah. exactly what it is. But that's why it's still classified because there is something to classify. Correct, correct, yeah. I mean, looking back now, I wish I, if I would have known all this stuff that there was a bigger picture 
I would have documented every single thing out of the ordinary, everything, because that would have helped the overall research of the project or whatever the hell they were doing or whatever was going on. But instead, I was like, I had to pick and choose. I wanted to be, I wanted to be um, more sound judgment on solid evidence. But looking back now, there was a lot of weird little tiny things that were like, ah. And, you know, I, you know, some people know where I used to work at, and I've been very kind of candid about some of my stories about stuff. Because it's some some of it sounds crazy, you know. Yeah. And uh, but looking back now, the whole situation was crazy. The whole thing was crazy. Um, I'm, like I said, I was I'm happy to be a part of it, but it was taxing for sure. But so uh, I guess we'll yeah getting kind of close to the end maybe. But um, what do you think about UFOs? Like just straight up aliens? No aliens? I think well, my personal opinion. Okay. Sounds crazy. So, but I think that UFOs exist. Sure. I think there's a lot that's probably military too. I think I think probably 99.9 percent of stuff that we see in the skies is our own tech, and that's working in the Air Force, working where I worked at before. I think it's our own tech. I think there's a one percent that's not our tech, and that tech might be drone tech from other planets. Because if you look at the evolution of our drone technology now, sure, what's it going to look like in a thousand years from now? We have no idea. It's funny, like. Just the evolution of our, our cell phones. We're on a very quick path of evolution here. Where does it all lead to? You know. Right. Well, and that's one one of the things going back to some of the programs on the ATIP thing is that. Uh, so you know, like one of the headlines on there is warp drive, and I think if you go look at like Earth Tech's website where Hal Putoff and Eric Davis are, that's you know one of the things they talk about is the, the warp drive metrics, right? Mm-hmm. Which sounds ridiculously futuristic because we can't even square, you know, quantum mechanics with you right. know, Einstein stuff. And, uh, yeah, what, what does all that mean? You know, did, I, did they figure something out in the lab somewhere? Or did they not? Yeah. I mean, the human species is a very volatile part of nature. So if there was a, a different species that would want to come and observe us from afar because we are destructive and now we have the capability to change the universe by blowing our planet up and throwing everything into a, into a, tur- a spin, um, we, we probably are monitored. Who knows? I mean, at this point, nothing would surprise me. I mean, but the problem is now in today's society is that everybody's so divided and distracted. Even in the UFO community, I'm so exhausted with Twitter now. I'm like about to just be done with it because people are going, cutting each other down. I'm like, we all should come together in this, you know, and collect everything. Everybody's egos are involved. And I did this and I did, relax. But everybody's so divided and distracted. If a UFO landed right now on the White House lawn, people wouldn't even care probably. Well, that's why I think this this Skinwalker ranch story is so important because that same kind of fork in the road that we've mentioned so far is the exact that kind of break in that you know ufo community if that's Mm -hmm. what you want to call it because there's the people that are it's all paranormal and we can't possibly understand any of it and that's the only thing i'm going to believe and then there's the people that are it's a mix of both and that's all i'm going to believe and then there's the real hardcore skeptic type that's either you guys are all crazy and it's all make-believe or they're skeptic in the sense that it's all military, 100%. There is no such thing as, you know, supernatural and paranormal right. and things I mean, like that. Here's the truth. Everything, only atoms exist. Energy, everything is based on energy, frequency, and vibration, I think. you know. So we're all part of nature. We're all byproducts of nature. There's a big connection with us, the earth, the universe, the human species. It's all connected. Everything is connected. The problem is we have so many, like, our conscious mind of, not conscious mind, but so many things that try to separate each other, you know, like, you know, you're this person. You're so many labels. When everybody should be on one thing. You know, imagine if like, imagine if the only thing that mattered was how much positive energy you produce on a daily basis. That's it. 
how good of a person you are every day. That's what should matter. That's what should matter across the board is how much positive energy you produce on a daily basis. That's what springs you forward into the future, your your celestial spirit or whatever you want to call it or whatever, heaven or whatever you want to go to. But it's, the problem is there's such a division in, in the world today and it's coming from all kinds of different angles. It's exhausting. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I'm very, I don't like to waste energy. I believe the only thing that we have I believe 100% the only thing that we have here on this earth is time, time well spent. And that time well spent should be in a positive environment with family and people you love and not focused on so many negative things in life. The negative things in life are going to happen. you got to roll with the punches and, and, and absorb those hits and keep going forward. But I think overall, time well spent is the most important thing. And that's my objective. And that's why I kind of want closure on this chapter of my life so I can just put that in my pocket and press right. on to the next journey. And I, know and I want to help out people with, with questions that people have answers right. to. And, of course, I want to help people out to solve the big skinwalker mystery. And, and um, Right. Because I, I, I think that's, again, you know, just to reiterate, that's why it's important because that fork in the road, uh, no matter which one you want to take, it all seems to kind of point towards the skinwalker ranch story, mm-hmm. like being a major step down one of those paths. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's the weirdest place on earth because it's the epicenter of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be the like the origin of everything, but right. it's where everything meets up. Seems so like you it. have the uh, the paranormal, you have the government secrecy, you even I'll even go down the religious road. You oh, know, yeah. and, you know, you and I talk about this all the time, yep. Wade, when we talk about the religious stuff angels because and demons. An- yeah, that's angels and demons, good sure. and evil. Um, you know, and everything takes place and meets and converges at this one, correct, one thousand acre ranch. Yeah. You know, well, the environment is very. Uh, it's it's interesting. Like I said, that, that I think there's like the native history. The, the, the evidence I found there proves that there was a there could have been bloodshed on that property. There's energy that's been released into those rocks there, that environment, and maybe it occasionally resurfaces. And that's on top of uh, testing, on top of... There's so many layers now that are coming out about this ranch. Right? Yeah. And my layer is just one of them. You know, my truth, which is the Native American stuff, which I believe. But there's other stuff that come out, other people. And I, who am I to knock their, their beliefs? Right. I'm just talking about what I experienced. And I think it's important that I talk about it because nobody else is going to talk about it. No. Thank you for sharing that. You know, uh, and we're trying to do what we can to help you out and get answers because we're curious too. Right. You know, and you had me on the hook when uh, you and I first talked on the phone and you told me about some of your experiences. Yeah. And, you know, I've had my own experiences with the paranormal. So right. I knew you were telling the truth. Right. I, I have no agenda here. I have no, I'm a straight shooter. I've always been that way since my whole career in the Air Force, everywhere I go. This is, I just, I believe in, in truth. I really do. And, uh, and I believe also, you know, just see what is right and not do it as a want of courage. And I think that there's people in the community that know some stuff and they need to come forward and talk about it and just take ownership. I would, if I did something messed up, I would come forward and say, hey, yeah, I messed up. Right. Let's, it, let's, let's press on. You know, let's press on and keep going forward. People get so, and I say again, you know, bogged down in negativity. Thing. Right. Just be open. I'm well, not, and that's another I think I, we threw this into the, the, the intro episode at the end, but it's everybody. I don't care who you are. You can be Michael Shermer, right? The, mm-hmm. the Pope of skepticism. He right. writes the magazine about it. Yeah. Uh, everybody has thought they've seen something out of the corner of their eye, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is nothing, but the Skinwalker stuff, right? Even if you're that skeptic guy, it's asking the question, Yeah. was it nothing, right? Yeah. Like, is there something more to that? And for a whole lot of people on earth... There is something there, and it might go a million different directions, but 
you know, what is that? Even if, even if it is, let's say the government figured out how to mess with your mind, well, that still kind of makes it a physical thing though, right? It means, that, it means that the thing you saw is something that you're going to believe you saw right. at the matrix, whatever you, however you want to explain it away, exactly. that thing you think you saw might actually be a thing, yeah. right? And so you have to start wondering about what does that mean? So what does that mean if it's paranormal? And then what does that mean if it's, you know, somebody in control of a, you know, hallucination gun or something, right. you know? MK Ultra. look at that. Whole well, and so that. we've mentioned it before, and I know we're trying to kind of wrap it up here, but, and people, it, it amazes me how much of this stuff isn't secret. Mm-hmm. And so the only way people can kind of ignore it is just straight ignorance because you can you can look at a lot of stuff in that, that like just google how put off sometime mm-hmm. right google eric davis sometime. google mk ultra google john alexander google mm-hmm. any of those things and it 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 all seems to point kind of vaguely that there's, there's a there's an apparatus out there that is yeah. really looking at some of this stuff yeah for sure there's definitely some questions like i said Hopefully we'll get answers. It might be when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hopefully sooner. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I don't know. Who goes? Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, man. Thanks. Hey, thanks for taking time to talk to me. I appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Well, that's the end of this interview and this episode of Skinwalker Radio. Be sure to click subscribe in whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and check out the Skinwalker Radio Facebook group for more show-related content and Skinwalker Ranch discussion. The music in this episode was The Complex by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com, licensed through Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0.